Welcome to The, the Get, Get Together. Together. It's our show about the nuts, nuts and, and bolts, the ins and outs, the brass, brass tacks of community building. And I'm your host, Bailey, Bailey Richardson. Richardson. <laughs> oh, I'm a partner at People and Company, and I'm a co-author of Get Together, How to Build a Community with Your People, now available on Amazon. Who's my other co-author? Oh, it's me, Kevin Huynh, and I'm those same things, partner at People and Company, co-author of Get Together, etc. Each episode of this podcast, Kevin and I interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just, just how, how they, they did, did it. it. <laughs> how did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to thousands more members? Are y'all ready for a good story about people, power, and the environment? A little uplift today. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Gravy, because today we are talking to Jeff Kirshner, who kickstarted a community of people around the world who are picking up the trash on our streets, parks, and beaches. They call themselves Literati. I met Jeff back in 2014 when I was working at Instagram, and Jeff had started Literati hashtag, then an account, and it was burgeoning on the site. People from all around the world who had all been in silos, concerned about how we were leaving the planet, were now photographing the pieces of trash they were picking up everywhere from Oakland to the Great Wall of China under the same hashtag. Since we met back then, Jeff built a standalone app for the Literati community. With this new app, community members can catalog exactly what piece of trash they've picked up and where they picked it up, which is some very powerful data, and we will talk through that in the episode. If you pick up a bottle cap in Wisconsin, and I pick up one in Washington, and Kevin, you pick one up in Wichita, like traditionally those have been isolated and quiet, right? The three of us don't know that one another exists. And so therefore, the emotion that you have is one of overwhelm. Like what difference is it gonna make if I pick up this one bottle cap? What Literati is starting to do is take that quiet, isolated act and make it social and shareable. And if you do that, that feeling of, of overwhelm can actually transform into one of empowerment. Some of the members of the Literati community have picked up hundreds, even thousands of pieces of trash each day. They continue to do this. Today, the cumulative impact is insane. 145,000 people have picked up trash. Over 4 million pieces of trash have been picked up through Literati. Kev, what stuck out to you about our conversation with Jeff? What stuck out to me is how Jeff and Literati continues to make the experience of picking up trash probably better. <laughs> yes. You know, we talk about in Get Together how how communities form around shared activities. And shared activities are those activities that either you can't do solo or just are a lot better experience in a group, whether that's playing basketball, whether that's being in a peer support circle. And, you know, Jeff talks about how caring about litter and picking up litter can often be a solitary activity. And especially in the early days, the folks using the Literati hashtag on Instagram kind of found the other lone wolves and the other places that like cared about this stuff. And there was this a sense of camaraderie and kind of making that solo activity a bit more social. And then Jeff and his team kind of take a big swing to build a tool to bring that sort of shared sense of like, we are trying to eradicate litter, bring that to life even more. And they do that by, you know, showing the community's collective impact, as you said, 
you know, 4.2 million or how much you've collected over a certain period of time. They do that by bringing together data that can help make even bigger changes, right? They can, you'll hear a story about invoicing a company for the amount of plastic trash that they are producing because they have the geotag data to do so, which isn't possible without sort of that platform that's facilitating this shared experience. Or, you know, also now you can organize challenges and make this even more social. Picking up trash has been a solo activity. There are instances of, you know, folks doing coastal cleanups, you know, for a while, but I think Literati is really taking that to the next level and making this truly a community shared activity. Yeah. I love how he was like, this has been an activity for a long time, but everyone was just kind of doing it in their own communities and didn't get to kind of have that uplift of seeing other people do it. And that's like what Literati is doing at its core. And I love that he was like, wait, this activity exists. I can just kind of be the connective tissue that brings it all together. And And capital and sort of the community potential of it. Yes, yes. Even just that data layer, right? Capitalize on the potential to further emission to eradicate litter by adding a little bit more structure around how it's done. Absolutely. You ready? Let's jump in. Let's talk to Jeff. Jeff! All right. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Jeff in the house. Jeff in the house. Jeff, I want to start by asking a question that I know the answer to because we are old (laughs) friends. But for the people at home, for the folks listening at home, Kev always says, I like to kick the podcast off mentioning this. He always says, you can't fake the funk. When you're organizing a group of people about something you care about, you often as an organizer also really care about it. So can you take us back to what got you interested in like picking up trash and this whole effort of kind of just cleaning out our public spaces? Was this something that you have been passionate about all your life? Are you an environmentalist or was there like an aha moment for you? Yeah, not at all. I was (laughs) definitely not an active environmentalist. I'm a writer by trade. I was actually working on a screenplay at the time and decided that I needed to get out of my head and into the woods. And so I took my two kids who were four and two at the time on a walk. And my daughter noticed this plastic tub of cat litter sitting in a creek. And she just looked at me and said, Daddy, that doesn't go there. Like this really Mm. innocent comment, you know, but it was an eye opener for me. And when she said that, it reminded me of when I was a kid. I used to go to summer camp and on the morning of visiting day, the camp director would be like, quick, everybody go pick up five pieces of litter. And so you get a couple hundred kids, each picking up five pieces. Within a few minutes, the camp Mm. was spotless. And so I thought, why not apply that crowdsourced cleanup model to the entire planet? And that was the inspiration for starting Literati. Yeah. So tell us about exactly like when did it start and what did that look like? What was your first action? Yeah. So the first action was frankly a little bit weird. Bring it on. (laughs) I took a photograph of a cigarette butt using Instagram. And I would love to tell you that there was some idea at the time. The truth is there wasn't. But I took another photo and another photo and another photo. And I noticed a couple things happening to me. The first was litter suddenly became artistic, right? Power of Instagram. Mm -hmm. And therefore approachable, right? The thing on the ground that I either didn't notice or walked over suddenly became a really cool photo opportunity. The second thing I noticed was that at the end of the week, I had 50 or 60 photos on my phone and I picked up every single piece that I had shot, right? And either properly threw it out or recycle it. And I recognized that the same way people measure the steps they walk with Fitbit or an Apple Watch or the miles they ride with something like Strava, I was measuring the positive impact I was having on the planet. That's 50 less pieces on the ground. No clue what I could do with that information. I just thought it was cool. And so I started sharing it with people. And by people, I mean like my brother and my wife. (laughs) And uh, yeah, what started out as nothing more than a hashtag on top of Instagram has, has grown considerably since then. And was the first one that you posted up, I'm curious, was it kind of a desire to, you told the story about your daughter 
was it a desire to kind of like express to other people that why are we seeing these things or was it more of a just like creative impulse for you? Yeah, I don't think it was a desire to express anything other than, oh, that could be an interesting piece of art. Hmm. I certainly, as I mentioned, like I didn't have an idea at the time. I just did this. And so the notion that that piece, that photo could transform not only my own relationship to my environment, but potentially influence and inspire others was not something I had considered at all. And then, so you put these photos up and maybe you started using the hashtag literati at some point, but how did the first strangers, like how did you find the first other kind of like co-conspirators in this effort to catalog the litter around us? How did you bump into those people in the beginning? Yeah, so I did not use the word literati as the first picture. Like that would just yeah. be too serendipitous and, and <laughs> out. I was actually teaching a class on storytelling Mm. Uh, at a place called the Miami Ad School, which is this graduate level school for folks in the creative side of advertising, right? Art directors, writers, graphic designers, et cetera. And, you know, at that point, I'd probably picked up, I don't know, 25, 50, 100 pieces and started sharing this with those students. And I had terrible name ideas. Like, hey, what do you call this, you know, like Planet Clean, Trash 101, like just awful. And it was one of those students who said, what if you called it Literazzi? Mm. You've got photos, litter, like, a second student was like, what if you just shorten it to literati? And that was literally how the name was formed. So that was me. Students, the youth. Yeah. Thank the youth. you all, to the youth. Always, always. <laughs> Where all cool things come from. <laughs> and that was me projecting to them, right? So yeah. that was one part. But, you know, to answer your question about, like, when did the first stranger, I remember specifically there was a photo of the Great Wall of China. Mm. And in the foreground was this plastic, like, jerky wrapper. Mm. And I remember looking at the consolidated hashtags on Instagram just by touching that word. And I saw that photo and I was like, Oh my God, somebody in China. Like, and that was the moment I knew we were becoming more than just a collection of pretty pictures. We were actually becoming a community, mm. albeit small. And that was really the first moment that I thought, what if other people could do this around the world? Yeah. And that was just kind of like general hashtags, like clicking through on like litter or trash, or that was like these people had posted to literati. Yeah, that one was literati. At that point, wow. it had gotten to that next level. And to be honest, like, I don't know how the word had, you know, gone mm. 10,000 miles across the planet. But I think that was really one of the first sparks. Yeah. I love that use of the word spark. We use that word so much. <laughs> Do you? It's yeah, like I've been listening to all your podcasts. <laughs> and so you started Literati around seven years ago. Today, about 150,000 people that you know of have used either your app or the hashtag to catalog trash. So I've participated and it's crazy. It's like 4.2 million pieces of trash have been cataloged, which is like frigging crazy and amazing. And I love going into the app and seeing people who have created group projects in New York near me. It's an amazing phenomenon. But how did you just get sort of like a sense of, you know, a lot of people are doing this all around the world. How did you get a sense of sort of like bringing one community in a little tighter to you, that first hundred people, the first thousand people, like what steps did you take to start to bring a center to all these people who were interested in the same thing as you? Yeah, I just listened. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried to 
get out and meet people either who had posted a literati photo. I mean, literally like, hey, you know, and their names wouldn't be their names. It might be their Instagram, you know, <laughs> handle. So there was one person, they still exist, Gotcha 106. And I was speaking at the Monterey <laughs> Bay, I was at the Monterey Bay Aquarium speaking and I was approached by them and they were like, hey, mm. I'm Gotcha 106. And, you know, like big hug and big embrace. So it was like getting out and about, like meeting yeah. these people, mm. sometimes not knowing I was going to be meeting them to hear like, okay, what do you think about this? Mm. Is this as crazy as I, I think it is? Because I think it's pretty mm. crazy. And what I learned was that there were a lot of people who thought just like I did, right? But on an even deeper scale, people who were active environmentalists, but were mm -hmm. finding a sense of community through connection on Instagram, through a simple hashtag. And I thought that was mm. fascinating. So that was like early on, offline. Then there was the online. And to be honest, I don't remember the order of these events, but at some point I started a, a Twitter account, right? In addition to the Instagram one. Which your Instagram one has quite a few followers as well, right? It's like picked up some steam or in the early days, I know it did for sure. Yeah, it, it has. There's about, you know, a little over 20,000 and, and, um, and it's been great. Off, excuse me, online, what was fascinating was just finding like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. And that was great because it allowed me to hear what they wanted and hear what their lives were like and tell them what I was trying to do. And that could be anything from like, hey, I'm looking for somebody who knows how to build an online map. Because by the way, I'm not an engineer. I can't write a line of code. Mm. You know, so do you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody? So that, or it would be like, yeah, I live in the Bay Area. We're known for being environmentally progressive and it's totally trash. And that other person might say like, I live in the Netherlands and we're known for being environmentally progressive and we're having similar problems. Like that sense of camaraderie mm. was incredibly mm. inspiring to mm. me. I love that. I went to a conference that was an anti-fascism conference that's been in Austria for since the Second World War. And I was one of two Americans in the room. And I had this realization that we talk about politics in such a domestic way, but there were people in that room who lived in Slovenia who had more of a similar political bent to me than like many people who live in the United States. And it's interesting that it's like the internet allows you to find other people who you may not have immediately near you in your own personal circle, people that care about picking up litter or picking up trash. But there's like a hundred percent, a few a thousand other people out there that are like, this is their number one passion point. What did you learn from those people? Like, cause you said, you know, you weren't an environmentalist hearing your daughters talk about the fact that, Hey, this trash shouldn't be here in the park gave you a little bit of like a new vision into like what is going on? Why is there so much trash everywhere? But what did you learn from the motivations of these other people? Like why, you know, what stands out to you from that listening period that like really affected your decisions? Yeah, the people were sort of craving a tool. People mm. were craving connection, right? So tradition, there have been neighborhood litter walks and coastal cleanups for decades, right? This activity of cleaning the planet has existed. So in that regard, like we weren't doing anything new. I think what we were and are trying to do is bring a sense of community and connection to those traditionally isolated quiet acts, right? So if you pick up a bottle cap in Wisconsin and I pick up one in Washington and Kevin, you pick one up in Wichita, like traditionally those have been isolated and quiet, right? The three of us don't know that one another exists. And so therefore the emotion that you have is one of overwhelm. Like what mm -hmm. difference is it gonna make if I pick mm -hmm. up this one bottle cap? What Literati is starting to do is take that 
quiet, isolated act and make it social and shareable. And if you do that, that feeling of, of overwhelm can actually transform into one of empowerment, right? Oh, wait, there's others doing the same thing. We can collectively make a difference by taking the same simple action for the greater good. And so I think what I learned was people were desperate for that connection, desperate for that tool. Yeah, I love that. I was talking, we did some work with the Surfrider Foundation who does coastal cleanups. And it came to realize being around a lot of their local organizers that the need to celebrate is so important. Like environmental work, it's sometimes feel like, you know, you're rolling the giant stone up the hill just over and over again. And the stone just wants to keep falling down and you just have to keep pushing it. And I think one thing that's really neat, like you just said, is you guys have a global map of all the different places around the world that have just like registered doing this work. You have really neat measurements of different countries that are leading, individuals that are leading. And it, it does actually make you feel like there's an uplifting quality to it in a space that I think really craves that, but lacks it in general. And I love that. I love how you know who the people are around the world who are picking up the most trash. Can you tell us about this story in the Netherlands? Yeah. So we call them stories of impact. We believe in the technology and we believe in the data, which is a huge part of what we do. Another big insight was people were craving not only connection, but they wanted to measure their impact, right? And understand what they were finding and where. So while we believe in the technology and the data, at the end of the day, what we're all after is change. And so we call them stories of impact. And the one you're referring to, there's a gentleman uh, in the Netherlands. His name is Dirk Groot. He actually goes by the name Zwerfinator. He has built a character on top of literally. Oh, yeah. We got an internet uh, native over here. Unbelievable. Dirk has picked up over 200,000 pieces of litter, everything mapped, measured, cataloged. So one day we started seeing this word come into the database. It was Antaflu, A-N-T-A-F-L-U. I thought it was a typo. I'd never seen this word. And turns out it's a Dutch cough drop. We looked and there were a couple of photographs of these plastic Antaflu wrappers all in the Netherlands. So Dirk had started picking these up and with several others began to mobilize the Dutch literati community to focus on Antaflu plastic wrappers. Well, they've picked up 29,000, but they didn't stop there. They took all the data, which was all mapped out, went to the company, companies called Pervasco, met with the CEO and they brought an invoice and served it to the CEO and said, here's what you owe us for cleaning up all the plastic wrappers all over the Netherlands. And to the CEO's credit, he has- Bold move, Dirk. I like it, Dirk. (laughs) He has committed to, (laughs) to changing the supply chain of all plastic to paper for antiflu wrappers, all because Dirk said, you know what, I've had enough, I wanna make a change. And I think the lesson learned there is, individually, you can make a difference, but together we create an impact. And it's about empowering others. I had never heard of antiflu. That's not something that I would have ever thought to do. So if we create a tool that is universally applicable, no matter where you live, that allows you to create change and feel empowered, that's kind of the road we wanna be on. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the tool and especially your decision to make build your own app? And I've heard you say, I think in your TED talk about how Instagram was not like the ideal tool for this sort of work. It wasn't designed for this sort of work. So I'm curious about the tool you built and how that structure has enabled this community to kind of amplify the impact they're making. I mean, obviously we owe everything to Instagram because it's how we got our start. But at some point I realized that I was dreaming of an experience that was different than the Instagram experience, right? And that was probably, Kevin, like one of the hardest 
decisions I had to make because everything I had done from a communication perspective, whether I was talking to a fifth grade class or speaking at an aquarium or telling an individual was, okay, here's what you do. You're on Instagram, you take a photo, you add hashtag literati, pick up what you're uh, photographing yeah. and that's it. So suddenly it was like, Arr! shift that whole <laughs> story, right? So now there's an app, there's friction there. And now you don't have to tag in literati, you does this for you. But that moment in time was a big one. And the idea was, if we're going to make this shift, right? If this is going to become more than just a hashtag, where we believed it could become more impactful, then we had to create our own user experience. And so the idea was, let's start with iOS, which we did. And it was super simple. And it remains super simple. You take a photograph of a bottle cap, a Starbucks cup, a Coke can, a cigarette, whatever. And that photo holds a ton of data, right? It tells us who picked up what, where, and when. The who, where, and when i.e. who's picking it up, the geotag and timestamp are all automated. It happens the moment the photo is taken. The what, which is the brand, the material, today that's manually input by the individual. However, we've put in you know, a list of the most commonly found tags and we have just now integrated AI and machine learning, specifically yeah. optical recognition, to begin to suggest what that item might be. And so- Technology for good. Oh my God. <laughs> that's the idea. Let's have a moment. Yeah, keep going, sorry. No, it's all good. And, <laughs> Uh, that, you know, is the fundamental behavior today on the application. And, and Bailey alluded to it earlier. We've launched this thing called Challenges. And it's this idea that anybody can inspire anybody else around them to help in this cause. So you could create, you know, Kevin and Bailey's New York City pickup. Let's do it, Kev. And it's going to run for two weeks or two months or whatever it is, right? And our goal is to pick up 5,000 pieces. Anybody within that area, you set the location, you set the radius. Anybody that you want can participate in that. And then the application will calculate and watch as you progress towards that goal. And we feel like what that does is, again, back to community, it inspires people to come together in their local areas. And it also helps them feel a sense of progress, right? Celebration. Because you're right, this is a global pandemic. It is massive. And it is beyond any single person's ability to really solve. And so we believe that the way to start is by building this global community through a simple tool, one that can map and measure impact and bring people together while tracking all this data. We think that's a first step to solving it. There's this parallel with, as we talk to different communities that have chapters, there's this parallel decision that I've heard a lot of community leaders make between, hey, do I continue using the the available tools, whether it's like we're hosting 100 events on Eventbrite across all different accounts around the world, or do I think about centralizing this in some sort of way? And there's this sort of a you know that you might be adding more friction to the process. You know you might have to like invest resources, but there could be a benefit from being able to connect the dots better, to be able to catalog and connect the data a bit better. Like what is possible when you can really see what's happening in this place, part of the world, or like even just collected with the people around you. And it sounds like with Literati, you've been able to tap into that and show like, yeah, if the purpose of this community is around reducing litter, like we can create a better experience experience that helps us as a community do that. Yeah. I mean, it takes a big swing. Like yeah. you, it takes, that to me seems like a very big step for you as someone who started this. It's pretty easy or much easier to run a community on Instagram than it is to build an app from scratch. So, and like Kevin said, it takes investment. Can you just talk about making that decision and how you decided to cross the line and do it? 
at one point, and, and as I said, like this was a tough one. I really thought through this one. And at one point I said, if we're going to do this, like we just have to commit, right? It's like you take that leap of faith and maybe it's wrong. If so, then you deal with the repercussions like somewhere on the way down. But we took that leap of faith and I think it was the right decision. Look, there are plenty of decisions that we've made that have been wrong. You know, Kevin, the way you articulated that around, we have this vision of how do we create an experience that we believe is going to benefit the entire community sometimes, oftentimes comes at a cost, right? Because sometimes you have to go several steps backwards before you can leap to that next vision, mm -hmm. right? And we're actually going through that right now. And I think being open and transparent and vulnerable with your community is critical. You know, one of the things you guys say that I love is that you don't build it by or for the community, you build with the community. Like that to me, I really take that to heart. Look, we have screwed up plenty and we've upset some of our core, core users. Right now, we've just did an upgrade to the app and we had to remove a few features for the short term in order yeah. to get to that longer term vision. And there are some people that are upset with us. And you know what? They're yeah. right. They're absolutely right. And so how do you, as, as sort of a team that's building this thing, this tool that you hope delights and surprises everybody, like how do you stay that course knowing that you're going to take, you know, some slaps across the face while you do it? So it's one of those things that is hard to experience, but it's also having feedback versus like having no one say anything is such a gift, you know, but it, I, I can see how like this topic is an emotional one for a lot of people and working at the center of it, I'm sure. And you care about it too. So there's a lot of sort of like emotional intensity to being in this space, I'm sure. My fiance is one of the most chill people I know, but the one thing that she gets so unchill about is litter like you know someone throw like an orange peel like onto the uh onto the ground like in the subway car mm -hmm. and it'll either be like shaking fists or like this small tear come down oh my god <laughs> i mean look it's dirty it's disgusting someone else put it there somebody else will clean it up it's not my responsibility there's too much like there's a million reasons why it pisses people off right which is exactly why we think it's so important to solve not to yeah. mention it impacts the economy affects the environment kills wildlife and now with the mm. plastic pollution in the ocean it is literally poisoning the food system so yeah. there's that old proverb like if not us then who and if not now then when yeah mm. look i'm not passionate about litter never happened never will be what i am passionate about is leaving this place better than i found it and if my role my very small role in that story is to try and bring people together by building a tool that anybody can use that makes them feel inspired that is something i'd like to try and do I love that, Jeff. I'm, I'm so into this. Snaps. Snaps. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, Jeff, as well, like I am a big fan of spotlighting amazing contributions for communities, role modeling, great participation, storytelling about a community. Like you said in the beginning, your background is as a writer. You were working on a screenplay when you started this thing. There's a lot of great storytelling about literati, both that you have done and that the media has done. And I just wanted to ask you a big sort of umbrella question, but what role do you see storytelling play in this community, in getting literati further, in motivating community members, like maybe one really powerful thing or the most powerful thing? Like, how do you see storytelling playing a role? 
It inspires people. I think when it comes to environmental problems, one of the challenges, and climate change is a perfect example of this, it's a tough narrative. Meaning, when people talk about the climate, those of us, and thank God there are many of us, who believe that it's a real issue, a lot of us are saying, okay, I'm in. What can I do, right? I can become a vegan. I can take public transportation. But at the end of the day, like, it's really tough for me to see the action that I take have a change on the system, right? So I think the role of storytelling, as it pertains to literary, is to very clearly, very concisely, and hopefully in a very compelling manner, tell how you as an individual can take a very simple action that leads to that greater good. That is the role of storytelling. And what about too, you know, you've spoken at TED, you're a TED resident, and there's just so much awesome press that's happened. Has that been a big thing that's moved the needle? Or has it more just been people using the product talking to other people? Like, how do you see storytelling to like the broad mass audience showing up for for literati? I mean, undoubtedly, the press that we've been very fortunate to receive has, I think, created awareness and sparked people to say like, oh, there's this thing that I can become part of, and I can make a difference. I don't think that that holds a can to one person telling another. There's mm-hmm. a trust that is built between people that I think is on a whole nother level than when you hear it from CNN or you read it in Rolling Stone or things like that. And so the goal for us is to tell a story that's so simple that anybody can share that story without losing the integrity of the story, right? Yeah. Like that whisper down the lane should never mm-hmm. falter. It should always stay the same. I think what we have to always be mindful of. Yeah, I'm Dirk, and this app tells me that I've picked up over 200,000 pieces of trash. <laughs> it's a pretty powerful story. But see, so Dirk's story, I mean, you just said, that's so poetic that you did that, Bailey, because you could probably tell that story on a stage. And I bet if a journalist picked it up and then wrote about it and Kevin read that piece, Kevin could now probably tell that story. And I think that's so critical. Mm. Like, how do you always come back to... But the idea is like, how do you connect with somebody on an emotional level first? Like, why should I care? Mm. And then once you have that hook, once you create that connection, then you can appeal to the conceptual Mm. aspect. Oh, by the way, now that you care about this, guess what? There's this data that can be used to shift policy, to inspire packaging, to influence how a fifth grade class... There's, there's so much great stuff around storytelling and it's something we, you know, we hold dear to our heart. So what, what's on your mind right now? Like where's Literati at? What are some of the big challenges or dreams that you have? Like what's really weighing on you or what are you thinking about? You know, every day I ask the question, how do we do better than yesterday? Like to me, that's, that's enough. And there's so much, there's so many areas that we can improve upon from just the day before. You know, being really honest, the thing that I'm most focused on is trying to build a product that just delights people, that is mm. simple. Like more than anything, you know, with this recent upgrade, we've definitely made some missteps. Tell me about those. Yeah. Like what are people like the nitty gritty of what has upset people or frustrated people if you're cool with that? Yeah, we can break this up into two sections. So there's the functionality, right? The back end, and then there's the design and then the front end user experience. So on the back end side, in our last version of the app, we had to change because we were really looking to ensure speed and stability. We were growing to a scale where the last version just wasn't going to stand up. It was going to start to fall over. So on the back end side of things, we've always been focused on upload speed. So you can imagine some people in the community pick up hundreds of pieces of de- yeah. a day, right? We actually have some ambassadors who pick up over a thousand pieces a day, which is both awesome and Dang. unreal. 
right? Dang. So uploading all of those photos can be time consuming. Now, granted, they're just clicking a button and they're uploaded, but still, like, how do you mm. not watch this progress bar go from one photo to two photos, to, right? Like, how do you just make that a quick, fun, delightful experience? So in this new version of the app, like, we've done some tweaks on the back end to try and improve that, but there's so many moving parts. The type of phone you have, the network you're currently connected to, how many yeah. photos you're uploading. There's so many moving parts that we don't think we've done a good enough job there. And so to the community, it still looks like it's not uploading as fast as we want it to. So that's an example. Another thing we didn't do well was, so these challenges that we talked about earlier, we had launched them about a year ago and we called them clubs. And the idea was modeled after sports. Like everybody belongs to a club that felt emotionally right. We did a really piss poor job of communicating to people that clubs are becoming challenges. And here's mm. why. It was clear to us, yeah. but it wasn't necessarily clear to everybody else. And so uh, sort of the back end side, like on the front end side, and I think the club's challenges kind of spans both of those. On the front end side, we had to take away a few features that were in the last version just to make sure we could get out in time and do things the way we wanted to do. And one was a leaderboard. So we used to show the top five oh, people. Oh, yeah. Right? The we leaderboard. It, yeah. We think about it internally less about like a leader. In fact, we used to call it today's activity because it's less about I did more than you, but more about like, we did this together. And we know the competition inherently drives human nature. And so that's great. And we want to leverage that the best we can. But we had to take that away. We've only taken it away. It's now been nine days. But you can imagine people are like, what happened to the board? Mm -hmm. And so it's coming back and we should launch it in about two-ish, three weeks. But still, we didn't do a good job explaining why we had to take that away just for a little bit of time. And I spent seven years building this community from the ground up. And it breaks my heart to know that people are disappointed in us. Plenty of people aren't, but even if there's one, that's the kind of thing that, that really, really bothers me. And so whatever we can do to fix that, that's what we're focused on right now. Yeah, I, I totally feel you on this. There were a number of times working at Instagram, one very significant time with the terms of service where we did not expect that we would upset people yeah. or we didn't see the thing that people were sensitive about, we didn't know it. And we're not transparent enough because we didn't realize we were going to push a hot button. And sometimes too, you're just like, you have a lot you're working on that is operational, totally. you know, and you miss that sort of that gap. But I think trying to the art of some of the, like working with the community is understanding, having that fingertip feeling about what needs to be communicated transparently and gently and what doesn't need to be you know, sort of like handheld with people. And sometimes you get it right. And sometimes you get it wrong. But I'm sure that you have so much emotional sincerity in talking about how much this matters to you. And I think that that's the most important piece, like that keeps trust around, you know, these things are recoverable, but I feel you on that one. There's a great quote, sorry for interrupting, um, yeah, that, no. that I heard from a, a guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, an old New Yorker uh, named Jerry Colonna. He said that anxiety comes from giving a shit. Yeah. Mm. There's, it's that other side of build with, right? Like totally. that implies that it's, you know, really a two way street where you can affect one another and you're diving into a collaborative relationship. And that can both be absolutely amazing as far as like what you can accomplish together. And it can also like be a grind, you know, it can also be draining when conflicts arise, things don't work out, expectations are misaligned. 
it's an absolutely real challenge. And I'll just say like, thank you for sharing and know that you're doing important work. And that's why people are, you know, care about it that much. And trying to build differently. Like so many people build businesses, products, organizations as like king and a serfdom, you know, and I really appreciate that you're, you're trying to be more collaborative. So, you know, did this upgrade for World Cleanup Day, which was last Saturday. The community picked up a hundred thousand plus pieces. You know, like two years ago, we would have picked up a thousand and I would have been responsible for 500 of them, mm. right? Like that's fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it's a drop in the bucket. Like, how do we turn that into 100 million pieces, right? Like, that's what we're after. We have set our North Star at the eradication of litter by building a a global community to clean the planet. I recognize that that probably won't happen in my lifetime. And I'm totally cool with that. It's like, how do you sow the seeds today to reap the reward tomorrow, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so one of the things we did, this, in fact, it's happening tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time or Eastern time is we said, okay, like we made some mistakes. We've done some things right, some things wrong. So like, we're just holding a Facebook live. Come and like, just lay it on us. What did we do well? What did we do wrong? Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, bring it. And what's cool about that, I think is that, in fact, this happened yesterday on, on our daily standup. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Instead of this, just doing this like once, what if we hold like a weekly office hour? That's not the right term, but like, what if we just come constantly encourage the collaboration. Look, we can't build every idea. And some people don't agree about what should be built, what shouldn't. And right, like everybody's got this, you said, Bailey, it's a high intensity emotional experience for those that care. And so how do you wade through that muck and murk to figure out like, what's the right thing right now? Yeah. And that's, that's tough. Yeah, but it'll probably sharpen your thinking, you know, it forces you to have to really have answers for people and to like have thought through why this, why that priorities and it exposes you guys running the organization to hard questions. But that also makes you smarter. I think, you know, that pushes you to have language and clear thinking around the decisions you're making. Jeff, I want to ask you to you started this thing as a dad, a writer who did not have a lifelong environmental passion. And I've heard you say, even in the early days when this was just getting going, I mean, you were in the door at Instagram, you were talking to us, you were telling the story about this community, you were at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, you were just telling everyone about it. And you've just kept going step by step by step by step. And I still hear you say, you know, you have a vision, it keeps it keeps stretching in front of you. I'm just wondering, you know, what motivates you now? Like what keeps you going? What what's the fire in your stomach? Like, where does that come from? Are you an intrinsically motivated person? Like, how come you got this fire? I love it. At the end of the day, it's a lot easier to get up for a purpose than just a paycheck, you know? So, but you need to be sustainable. It's really difficult to do things without the resources to to build a team and to have technology. So like I willingly acknowledge that you need capital and help and people and team and ambassadors to make stuff happen. But at the end of the day, I think what keeps me going is this notion that it can always be a little bit better than it is. And my why is never far behind me. I'm putting them to bed every single night. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah. Final question, jumping off of that. To any of our listeners that might have magic resources, tools, capabilities, connections, if there's one thing that we, Kevin and I, the gods listening, the audience members listening, could give you guys, if you waved a magic wand and you had something that you needed to get literati further, whether it's an amazing engineer or capital or something I hadn't even thought of, you know, what would you want to put out into the universe and say, hey, we need more of this? 
So I could obviously create like a laundry list of our needs, right? <laughs> but I'll, I'll throw it back onto you. I would say to the two of you and, and to anybody listening, who's the one person you know that we should know? I already know mine. Kevin Webb. I'm going to put you in touch. Kevin, if you're listening, I'm emailing you in. Kevin, I'm excited to meet you. I love you. that question. I love that question. That's great. Jeff, Kev, do you got any more questions for Jeff to wrap this thing? No, I'm good. Thanks for doing what you're doing, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much. I, I always love talking to you. It's super inspiring for me. In the midst of everyone being in state of environmental anxiety, it, it is so rad to see the numbers that your community is throwing up. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking this idea and continuing to push it. Well, Bailey, Kevin, I, I appreciate you allowing me and inviting me to come share our story. And thank you guys for what you're doing at People & Co. I mean, we need more community building. And so uh, the feeling is mutual. Rad. All right, dude. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you soon, I hope. Thanks. If you want to get involved with Literati, go to their website, literati.org, L-I-T-T-E-R-A-T-I.org, or download their app and start picking up trash. I downloaded it. I'm going to pick up some trash. Well done. When was the last time you picked up some trash seriously? Well, this past weekend, I was in LA where I used to live by the beach. And someone had left a bag full of bottles just like in the middle of the walkway. And like, I just picked it up and took it down and put it in the recycling. Well done. But you and I have picked up trash together, right? Yeah, we do. We beach clean up so yeah. long. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to have those claw claw picker uppers. So I have claw picker uppers here, but I haven't used them yet. And it's sort of like been weighing on me. So now I feel like it's a perfect opportunity. You need to download this app. I got to download the app. Yes. You got to catalog some trash. Sunset Park trash yeah. cataloging. I'll do it too. Yeah. Yoko, my fiance, used to take photos of often plastic bags or other trash on the ground and then she would draw over them and turn them into a cat oh and then great yeah and then she called it garbage cats and (laughs) then she would post both photos like in a little swipey action on instagram uh awesome yeah that definitely needs to be on the literati app although it might mess with some of the ai technology just a little art project what is that is that is that a plastic bag or is that a cat is that a kitty cat if you want to find out more about us, People and Company, you can do so at our website, peopleand.company. It's a dot company, not a dot com. It's a dot company. So technically there is a dot com for us, but I won't even get into that. Yeah. Um, also, our book is on Amazon. Woo! Get Together, How to Build a Community with Your People. You can go to Amazon, just search Get Together. It's this book that looks like a sort of a, like a flaming orange, yeah. like, you know, flaming orange gradient flaming. sort of cover. A little crusade pot. Uh, yeah, you can also get go to gettogetherbook.com. It's full of stories and learnings from conversations with community leaders like this one with Jeff. If you want to say hi to us, just shoot us an email. Hi at peopleand.company. Oh, and last thing, review us and subscribe to our podcast. Please review us. It really helps, doesn't it, it does Kev? Help. It totally helps. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks See for you listening. next week. Bye.